Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's podcast is from the archives with Coach Luce, who is the linebackers coach at Army. He also has started a foundation, Lawrence First and Goal, which provides financial support for brain tumor research. Lawrence First and Goal has raised more than $2 million towards its mission and holds a one-day football camp with over 1,500 participants and over 300 college coaches from around the country. Unfortunately, that was canceled this past year due to covid and we hope Coach is able to get that going in 2021. Coach Luce talks about defending the option, adjustments to stop the pass, what he looks for in a player, defending the RPO, and his favorite RPO from the offensive perspective. To be joined today by Army Safeties Coach John Luce. Coach Luce, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Hey, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to do it. Coach uh you know, there's there's a lot we have to talk about here. I uh, certainly want to get into uh, what you've done with Lawrence first and goal. And, and I think uh, a lot of people around the country know you because of that. Uh, but I also would like to uh, share your, your journey through the profession and how all those things got started. So going back to the beginning for you, you know, what was it, Coach, that uh, really spurred you on to get into this profession? You know, I, I think I'm one of the few guys that, I think early on, absolutely loved football. And you know, I was talking to my cousin one time, and uh, he said, you know, I always knew you wanted to do that. So and I hadn't seen my cousin a bunch growing up. We were pretty far apart. But I think I knew at a very early age I wanted to coach football. I don't I don't know if I – and I think I knew I wanted to coach college or pro. I really do. And I've just been – I don't know. I've been very fortunate because I, I – I played very little in college, really played for a year, and then became a track guy when I wasn't good enough. And uh, just Coach Ford at Albany State, you know, legendary Bob Ford at Albany State in New York, gave me an interview and gave me a chance. And now I think this has been uh, – I've been coaching for 30 years, so this is my 31st, I believe. And, you know, in a journey to the Division One level, um, that's not a, always an easy thing. Uh, and you had some stops along the way and um, some great influences along the way. For you, what were some of those key things you learned or some of those those key influences you've had that have helped you get to this point? Uh, you know what? Like, I think uh, you know, I had great parents that 
pushed me and supported me and all those kind of things. And, you know, I had some, I think I had some good high school football coaches and, you know, I, I coach Ford, I think, and, and, and a lot of us, but I think, I think coach Ford taught you how to be a football coach from an effort standpoint and not wasting your time with a lot of things that aren't helping you win football games and organization and, and all those kind of things. I think that's where I learned from him. So I was there for two years at Albany State. And then I went on to be the defensive coordinator at a very young age at United States Coast Guard Academy under Tom Bell. And knew very little football. And Tom Bell taught me a lot of football. He really did. Like, I learned a lot of football from him. Did that for three years. And then uh, then I was hired as a, an assistant with Bob Sutton at Army West Point. So that's the first time I came here. And we had a great staff. We had, uh, I think we had six Super Bowl rings came out of our defensive staff, you know, since, you know, we were we weren't all fired at the same time. Well, when we were fired here at Army West Point. So six guys had, literally six Super Bowls came out of the defensive staff room. So, you know, learned a lot of football. I think that's where I learned the majority of the, from a football standpoint. And I think, you know, when you come here to Army West Point, you learn how, how, you know, the, if you work really hard at it, you know, as players, if you, you know, you give everything you got and, you know, you can achieve a lot more than the, than the parts. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I, I think, you know, I mean, we beat Boston College one time, forty-nine to seven, and we were twenty-six point underdogs. And I just, I think, I think that's hard to do somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, I really do. But our kids just played so hard and were so relentless in what they did. And it's the same thing what we've turned around and done here now again. But I just, I, you know, spent an unbelievable amount of time doing football and, you know, and really learning. I think the game. And then when I left there after eight years, I went. And I worked at Lafayette College in the Patriot League as a defensive coordinator. And I think the thing there, I think that I learned was, I mean, I, I, I did a lot of different things. I got to try out and do what is second time as a coordinator. I got to do what I wanted to do, you know, and, you know, made mistakes, obviously, tried to learn from those mistakes. And, you know, we were number one in defense in the country at one point. So we were always pretty good. So it was, but it, it, that was a great experience because I did that for 14 years, you know, coach secondary, coach linebackers, whatever the other guy wasn't going to coach. And uh, I think I learned a lot more, but I really developed being, you know, learning to be a coordinator again, mm-hmm. you know, doing all that. And then, and I think, and then came back here again. So I've been here with, for four full seasons with coach Monk. And I think the thing I've learned here is, you know, Jay Bateman, our defense coordinator is extremely smart. He's really sharp. We have a better staff here than we had the first time. And again, we had six Super Bowl rings come out of there. So, you know, I've learned a lot, I think. And, uh, you know, if I get a chance to be a coordinator again, it'll make me better. But I've also learned, I think the most here probably has been Coach Munkin's relentlessness, you know, his his ability to be relentless on the little things and developing relationships with the kids. You know, just getting them because they're going to play harder if you if you really get to know them. if you show me care and you do all those things. And I think that's I think that's where we're doing a great job right now. I mean, we're working really hard in recruiting, getting different kids. We won 18 games in two years here. And uh, that's a lot at Army West Point. So, you know, we've 
the last two years, we beat Temple twice. We've won our bowl game twice. We beat Navy twice. We beat an ACC team twice. So we are, you know, we're we're definitely getting better. But I think it's I don't think it's just the X and O part. I think right. it's a we're we have a high standard. We demand a standard. We get to know the kids. I know they know that we care about them, and you know because of that, we're playing really well. You know, so and, and obviously as a, a college coach, that relationship part starts well before uh, they step on campus. It's something that you're developing, obviously, in the recruiting process. And, you know, we can look at all the neat things we have today that have added to recruiting and all the social media and all those things. But still at the heart of it, what it's going to boil down to is not, you know, the fancy uniforms that someone's putting on or the the facilities they have. They're going to make a decision because they feel good about you and and the coaching staff as people and you, they feel that you guys are connecting with them. What would you say is the, you know, the, the, the number one thing you guys do to build those relationships. And obviously, you know, it doesn't end when they get there either. You continue to build that and sustain those and grow those as they go through your program. I think the big thing is honesty, just being honest with the kids, you know, if they don't and honest with the parents, you know, I, I really pride myself on that. I've worked hard over a 30 something year period to, you know, have a reputation that I'll tell you what I think it is. It might not be what you think it is, but I'll tell you what I think it is. So I'm honest with coaches. So when I tell them that, hey, we got somebody that we like better, uh, I don't know if they always agree, but they like the honesty part. So then when they have a kid and, and, you know, then I, and I know which coaches and I hope all of them, but I know which coaches to really trust, you know, because they're being honest with me too. So when they say they got a guy, they got a guy from a recruiting standpoint, mm-hmm. but also just being honest with the parents, you know, telling them that, you know, for West Point, for one, it's not, it's not always going to be easy here. And I tell that to them all the time. I don't, I don't, there's other academies out there. That I think they push that, Hey, it's going to be easy. It's going to be easy. It's going to be easy. Well, I, I don't want a kid that thinks it's just going to come here because it's going to be easy. It's, it's hard, you know, and should be. Mm-hmm. We're defending, you know, we're defending our rights as american people to you know defend our country so i hope it's not easy when they get here so i think you know just being honest with kids and then and then keep doing a great job of having relationships with the parents you know during the recruiting process walking them through the whole thing and then when they get here you know the i coach the safeties right now the safeties are coming over my house tomorrow night so you know right after practice for dinner so just you know, showing them again that you care, you want to know about what they're doing in their lives and, you know, not just football. And, uh, you know, I th- I think that's the big thing. And, you know, we have a, we got a spring game coming up on Friday night and we have honorary captains coming back. And I'm really excited to see those guys. And a lot of my, I, you know, they've done a good job keeping in touch with me and I try to as best I can keep in touch with them. And, you know, some of those guys I coached 25 years ago here, mm-hmm. so it's uh, again those relationships don't aren't just when they're up here. I, you know, I think a lot of them last forever. Right. So, coach on the the X's and O's side, you guys face the type of offense that you know makes every other coordinator in the nation cringe the week they have to face it. Um, you, you're doing it every day, and you know what what's it like to to go out there and have to defend option and those kinds of things, you know, every single day during camp 
and then maybe go out and, and have to you know defend somebody who's doing things different from your perspective, from the opposite perspective. What's that like for you? Uh, you know what? Jay Bateman or DC does a great job of setting up where we work on the pass game a lot, you know, to get ready for our opponents because, you know, we can, we can beat a team and they might have more completions in one game than we'll have the entire year. <laughs> so, you know, we completed 20 passes last year, 20 something in one ten game. So I think it's, it's not always easy to prepare for all the, the teams that throw it all over the yard and are different when you're facing the kind of team that we are, but, you know, in practice. But at the same time, I think I'd rather have it that way than the other way in that, you know, our biggest games are Air Force and Navy. And last year, you know, we won 14-13 against Navy and we won 21-0 to against Air Force. So we give up really, you know, one touchdown in, in two games against the Academy. So I think it prepares us. And the other thing is it makes us tough. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're physically tough. So it's easier to, I think, go back and do the conventional offenses and the things that you're facing now than it would be to face a conventional offense all the time and then try to defend us and us try to defend Air Force and Navy. So I do. I think it's it makes our kids tougher. And there's, there's still there's, there's more carryover than you think mm-hmm. from a schematic standpoint. I mean, football's football. Right. So, you know, the I think it's... Honestly, I think it's easier to face the conventional offense when you have to defend what we have to every day than it would be the other way around. So I'm uh, I'm excited about that part. You know, it's work. I think it's a little bit more work in practice. It was definitely a lot easier at Lafayette College, and that's the only time I haven't been an option team or been associated with one. So I think it was a lot easier at Lafayette College to do practice because the offense could simulate what you were facing. And, right. you know, on defense, you can simulate everything if you're pretty multiple, and we are. Coach, I know kind of a, a feather in your cap. You helped, uh, obviously, in coaching the secondary. You go, guys, uh, a few years ago, uh, only had six interceptions. You guys boosted that to 17. And at the time, you know, that year, I think it was 2016, number six ranked pass defense in the country. So you make that point. You know, completed 20-some passes as your own team, yet you guys are going out and really uh, defending the pass. What kind of things, you know, in in terms of, I guess the team is facing a traditional offense more in camp and preseason, spring and those things. Are there any adjustments that you guys have to make in practice to um, be able to get those done and be able to have that kind of effectiveness on, on game day? Uh, yeah, you know, one of the things we do that's pretty, I think it's really good is, you know, we have, a, there's a lot of disadvantages coaching here. Now our, our kids are going through the academic grind that I don't think you're going to very many places. I mean, it's hard, it's hard academically. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the military isn't as big a deal as you think it is from a day to day standpoint. You know, most of that training is in the summer, but it's just, uh, you know, they're tired. It's a grind. So but one of the things we have advantage-wise is we can have more players because everyone here is full scholarship. So we can have two huddles coming at us. So one huddle can be virtually run and some play action where it's 11 on 11, and the other huddle can be more where it's just on garbage cans and we're working on all the pass stuff. So we're we're getting that way we're getting the drop-back stuff 
and we can get off more reps than norm than, than you could. Like at Lafayette College, we could see the passes, but we never could simulate the speed of the reps. We can get more reps here because we have more bodies to work against. Right. Right. Interesting. So that's what helps us. Yeah. You know. Coach, with uh, you know a, a safety, and obviously you know at at, uh, at West Point, you guys certainly have all the other criteria that goes into them uh, getting into the school, into the institution first. But you know, what kind of things are you looking for in the guys you bring in to uh, to play secondary for you? I think I think one of the big things is they they have to love football. They really do. It's just it's hard to play major college football. It is. It's hard. You know, they're up. They, we get them four hours a day, and it four hours isn't four hours. You know, four hours is from the first meeting to when you walk off the practice field. So that's four hours. Somewhere in there, they need to tape, and they need to, you know, they need to do other things. They need to get up here. They need to do all those things. So if you don't love football, you're not going to keep playing because everyone here is full scholarship. So to me, that's important. I want somebody and. And obviously, they have to have the skill set. Mm-hmm. I'd rather, from a safety standpoint, I'd rather have a big corner, if I could, that looks like he can cover and do things that is going to be big enough to be a safety someday. You know, so I, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of taking a few more corners and the guys that, hey, they're not a corner, maybe they'll be a safety. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times the you know, the big, big safety ends up being an outside linebacker. Everybody moves closer to the middle or closer to the ball, right? So, but I want guys that are athletic and can run. They got to love football. And I I really want guys that are smart, too. I really do. Because the safeties are the quarterbacks of the defense. Mm-hmm. And if you're a hard learner and you have a hard time, then you're going to have a hard time, you know, in our system. You really are. We're not a... We're not really simple. We're just going to play quarters every down where you can just teach them, okay, this is what we're going to do. So, you know, there's enough stuff that's checking, and we have to. we got to get out in front of it. We have to use our advantages here, and one of them is we're smart. You know, we should be, right? Right. So, I mean, it's West Point. So, we got to – I want to find safeties that football – I think the football the football part comes easy, and they really like it. So, and we have some of those guys. And they're not always as big or as fast as we want, but they're they're really smart and they can make up for it, you know. I mean, obviously, I want the same guy that Penn, I recruit Pennsylvania is my number one spot. I want the same guy Penn State does. Right. But, you know, in reality, I'm probably not going to beat them in recruiting. So I need to... You know, you need to find that guy. He might be a couple inches shorter. He might be a little bit slower, but he might be really smart, and he might he might love football way more. So that's what I'm trying to find. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's what I'm trying to find. Coach, I talked to a former defensive coordinator at SMU, Van Malone, the other day, and, and we were talking about RPOs and, uh, you know, his view on how, you know, you defend those best, and he – emphasize the kind of the the responsibility the accountability you have to put on the back end uh to really do that effectively that that you can't let the offense always dictate that you know your linebackers your level two guys are going to be those those stress players that you have to take some of the stress off by letting the back guy end guys get involved how much of that uh you know philosophy or what is your philosophy i guess on defending the rpo and and how much do your guys need to be involved in that? They have to be involved in a lot of it. So 
I think this, I think you have to get the secondary involved or you're not going to be able to take care of it. So the RPO from a watching it on defense, I'm really, I'm really excited, I guess, you know, if I'm ever a head coach about some of the RPO concepts, I think some are easier than others. I think some are better than others, obviously that I watch, but I do. I think you, I think the RPO is for the most part is designed to attack the two high quarters type stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I think when and I, I try to talk to as many offensive guys as I can. I think that's what's what you should do on defense. So the guys that I know who run RPOs, I I don't think any of them, if you can match up really well, have a have very good answers for one high. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you have the ability to flat foot a one high safety. You know, I think it's hard. So, you know, we played some of the teams and they did RPOs and we were we had the ability to match up a little bit better and lock them down. And you can do the same thing with different pressures, but you know we, we're going to attack the RPOs and tell the kids where the ball should go and and utilize their secondary without getting very specific. But right. I think when you you know I know this the the when we were able to match up a little bit better and do those things, we did a really good job defending the RPOs. When we played Ohio State, that had you know a different animal from a you know, a bunch of four-star football players. It was a lot of times it was matched up perfectly, but you know the quarterback makes you miss, or receiver makes you miss, so it was just harder. Right. But so it still comes down to matchups. But that's what I think about the RPO stuff. I, you know, I think it's really good. I think you got to, I think you can you can practice it like an RPO team does. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen RPO teams you know, talk about practicing, and they have three quarterbacks back there. One of them is running the run play and one of them is throwing it to the boundary and one of them is throwing it to the field. So I think you can break up your practice. I don't know about all three, but, but I do, I think you can have your, have your defense. One part of it's defending the pass play and one part's defending the run. So, so you could get, you get in the whole practice, but you have to defend the entire play to me. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to do. Much, much like obviously defending, the stuff that your offense does, some of that triple option, same kind of thing that uh, you got to be very sound in, in playing your responsibility. You know, it's a great point. Most of the passes is just the pitch phase of the triple. Right. Right. So you're exactly right. And again, sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes you're flaring a guy out and you throw that ball right now. And if not, it's the quarterback draws. I mean, I, you know, the quarterback powers, the quarterback counters, you know, I think those are, they're tough to defend just from a math standpoint because you're some of them with the quarterback runs because when you, anytime obviously a quarterback carries it he's got a, he's got ten blockers so you know that that's why you have to get everybody involved from a math standpoint if you're if you just have one safety and he's just pedaling all the time well and they get them all blocked up or they're covering the routes well, and that's the beauty of the RPO you don't have to block them all mm-hmm. you know somebody has to go out there and play the bubble or the hitches or whatever they're, you know, whatever their part of the RPO is. So I think it's, I think it's great stuff. I really do. And it's not going away. No, what, you know, you mentioned you do study and talk to a lot of offensive guys and you have some things you'd really like to do. What's your favorite RPO from an offensive perspective right now? You know what? I, I, there's a few of them, but I think one of them that I really like is a little three by one where they run the, the, the stick game out of two and three run one on the vertical. Mm-hmm. And if, if the throw's not there right now that they can run the, the, the quarterback, you know, I guess the quarterback draw with the fold play right. or, you know, 
flaring out flaring out the back and throw it to him right now if it's if it's there and if not same thing running a quarterback counter or a quarterback play i think those are pretty simple i don't think they're very hard you know but i think they're i think they're pretty good yeah you know so that's that's always been my favorite too you know just from a a practice perspective when the mesh point is taken out so you know my first venture into uh, the RPO world was with quarterback, quarterback draw and stick. And, you know, there were a lot of teams at that time were running the draw to the running back and the stick. And I felt like, number one, uh, if I took that running back phase out, I didn't have to practice the mesh in that, which I think can get pretty sticky with the timing. Uh, also, it gave my quarterback just that extra split second to read it, to move a guy and then to uh to follow his his guy up through the hole. So, I think the running back running back stuff is great, but then now you you think about the quarterback and again like you said, you know, he's got 10 blockers when he becomes a runner. Uh those become really tough to defend if you have a guy to run. Yeah, no question. I I totally agree. I I wouldn't you know, you want to get your quarterback hurt. Right. But you know, at the same time, I, I don't. If I'm, if I am, if I ever do have the chance to be a head football coach, there's no way I'm going to recruit in the college football game a quarterback that isn't mobile. There's just no way. I just don't. I think if you, if you're, if your quarterback, I, I know why you have to do it in the National Football League. They, you pay that guy too much money and he'll get killed. Mm-hmm. But in the in the college football game, and I think you have to pick your spots. I really do. Yeah. But at the same time. I think if you, you you're playing with ten guys, I mean that the bottom line is every time you hand it to the tailback, there's an unblocked guy in a one high defense. Right. So when the when the quarterback has it, they're all blocked. So you know now you got to play zero coverage or you know one high with a safety who can stop play stop defense, you know, or he can go get it. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, that that puts stress on him too because of the passing game. Absolutely. Well, Coach, you, you obviously are involved in, in more things off the field, still with football, but uh, you and your wife, Marianne, started Lawrence First and Goal Foundation uh, in 2004 to raise money for pediatric uh, brain tumor research. The foundation's generated uh, more than $2 million now, and it is you know one of the biggest one-day football clinic uh, camps in the country. I, I know you get a ton of participation from the college football coaches out there. Uh, talk to us a little bit first about your reason and, and, and the passion you have and why you and your wife founded that. Well, I really appreciate you doing all your research. I mean, <laughs> you got it knocked out pretty good. It, you know what? I We had gone to Ride for Kids when Lauren was really little, and Lauren's 21 years old now. And we had gone to Ride for Kids, which is a great organization, raises money for Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation of the U.S. and they have motorcycle rallies and people raise money. So we had we had and there's about 52 of them there was last time I checked, but around the country. So I we had gone to those and used Lauren kind of as a little spokes model. You know, there'd be a couple of kids there that were fighting brain tumors at at you know at some point. And I remember going to it and just think, man, I wish there was something else I could do other than just show up at these rallies. So I went to a couple of them and then uh, I worked. The Michigan football camp one year must have been right before the old four. It was the old three summer, I think. And I just remember being up there, and there's about 1,500 kids. 
and we did about 160 coaches and a lot of more high school coaches. And I just remember thinking to myself on Wednesday, because it was a week-long camp or probably five days, I remember thinking to myself, you know what, I, I bet I could do this. I could do this for one day, have a one-day camp, raise money for brain tumor research and cancer services. And, uh, you know, I, I talked my wife into, you know, trying to pull it off. And the first year in 05, we had 56 coaches, and I knew every one of them. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and the guy I worked for, you know, was, didn't really think we'd be able to pull it off. I don't think he realized what it was going to become. And I just remember thinking, I think it's going to be bigger than you think. And we had 325 co- high school kids the first year, roughly. And so we raised about $20,000, I think. And we gave it to the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation in the U.S., the motorcycle rally. And then we were trying to set up a foundation, you know, got some lawyers involved that would would – handled a lot of the paperwork and set up a 501c3 foundation which is Lauren's first and goal foundation so you know that was before there were I don't believe that there was a single one-day camp in the country mm-hmm. I don't remember there being any because I, I remember kids coming to Michigan and I worked Ohio State and I worked a couple of camps where the kids would show up for one day just hey we're going to work them out but the majority of the kids were all there for five days. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so the first year, that's what it was. And then the, the 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 next year, we had probably close to 100 coaches, and we had 700 kids. So it literally had doubled. And then we had about 1,000 the next year. And, they, and luckily, it, it wasn't too big in the beginning. So we were able to manage it. And... And then I think about the fourth year, Phil Sims was our speaker. And we put up a big road sign and, you know, spent a little bit of money and actually advertised it. And I think we had at least 1,500 kids. So, and every year since, we've had a college football coach has volunteered to speak. I mean, it's been Urban Meyer a couple times in Ohio and, you know, Billy O'Brien and, James Franklin, and then the list goes on and on. Our head football coach here did a great job, Jeff Munkin. So, you know, we have college football coaches I think want to do it, and I think they they understand that they're giving back. But they also understand, you know, there's there's been, you know, between 1,700 and 2,000 kids from 17 states in Canada there. So, and, you know, people hear those numbers and they think, man, how are you going to manage it? That's the first thing Billy said to me when he went showed up, Billy O'Brien. Mm-hmm. He said, how are you doing it? And, well, we have 350 college coaches show up now. So, you know, each field has a position going. So it's it really has, you know, it's worked out well for us. And we have. We raised over $2 million. It all goes to brain tumor research, pediatric brain tumor research, and cancer services. So it helps kids in need. And uh, we don't – we have never taken a nickel, you know, for our family. Nobody gets paid you know, everyone volunteers, right. everyone. So it all truly goes back. You know, we're, I'm always doing this every time I talk to anybody. We're, we're always trying to get sponsorship. You know, the ROTC and the Army ROTC is coming this year. But, you know, and we're really excited about that. I've had outside people give us money. So we're looking because the, the camp is really the vehicle to raise awareness. Right. And, 
you know, we, we charge $40 up until April 1st because that's an early bird special. Then it's 60 And by May 6th, it's going to go up to 80 And then because we had so many walk-ons one year because kids just want to show up, that it's $100 cash the day of, which it's worth a lot more than that. Sure. It really is. I mean, you, last year we had 10 FBS staffs represented, and a lot of them were full staffs. We had 32 FCS staffs. So, you know, that's 42 Division One staffs that were at this, this, this camp. So, you know, I think, I think everybody wins in that they're getting coached. It's not a combine. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not height. There's no height. There's no weight. There's no 40 yard dash. It's, we split them up into small groups and we put them through drills and we rotate them through those drills. So the kids are getting seen by coaches. They're getting coached by college coaches and they're getting their names out there and they're the coaches are seeing kids and all the money's going to our brain tumor research and cancer services. So everybody wins on every end. Now there's so many one day camps. Oh, yeah. There are. There's so many of them that it's it's harder a little bit to compete, but you know, my thing is, you know, I don't know of any other one day camp where the money's going to a to a charity. You know, so it's not so that, I think that's where it's different and the number of college coaches. So we're uh we're optimistic. We'll just keep on, you know, keep on rolling. But we're always looking very hard for someone to sponsor the camp. I have hit, I have hit up multiple sneaker and drink companies, the ones that you know and see on TV every day, and have not been successful yet. So I'm really, you know, if anybody out there is going to listen, to, you know, listening to this and that, you know, or just you're, you know, you have a lot of money and you have to put it somewhere. We're looking for those people. So I'm. You know, trying because the real money, again, would come from outside donations, and uh, that's what we're really trying to get done. So I'm looking for that sponsorship or just those donors because it's going to go to a good place once it's done. Absolutely, Coach. Uh, I think it speaks a lot about our profession that right now you have over 350 coaches showing up and working this camp. You started out at 56, and and I know you know doing a as a college coach, small college coach doing the, the one day circuits and going around and, you know, going to all these, you know, college camps that are one day camps and evaluation camps. And not to say that this isn't with all those eyeballs there. Um, there's a different spirit to this one. I think uh, just a different feel to it. I guess I'd ask you to kind of describe that. And, and to you, what is that like compared to, you know, you've been to those uh, other one day camps. What, What's the comparison to you and what's the difference? And what do you feel this says, says about the guys out there, you know, in our profession, just willing to, to come and give their time? You know, I think it says a lot. I think, I think our, our, and you know this, our profession is under attack because the media is only going to cover the bad stuff. We're only going to talk about concussions and we're only going to talk about when one person makes a mistake, when a, when a player makes a mistake, it, it, it's easy for you know, Fox News or CNN say that this is all football players in general eyes. And, and it, you know, it makes you angry as a football coach. But at the same time, when 350 college coaches get together to really support a cause and help people, you, you know, you can't get that in the, in the, you have a hard time getting that in the local newspaper sometimes. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of frustrating, but it just says what kind of great people there are in this profession. And, as it really are, you know. I think, I think the people that come, there, there's 
certain guys have told me, you know, I came just for the recruiting the first time and maybe the second time. And then I, and I think a lot of them, not all, but I think a lot of them have figured out that, hey, you know what, I'm doing something great here. They meet Lauren, they meet other kids with a, you know, that are there that have a brain tumor. We've had a couple of camper, campers that had brain tumors either before or after they came to the camp. I mean, that's how widespread we all know someone with cancer. Mm-hmm. It might not be a brain tumor, but we know someone with cancer. Every one of us does. So I think they do. They look at it and they say, you know what, I'm doing something really good. I'm spending another day away from my family, which is hard, and I'm not getting paid to do it. But, I'm, you know, in my small way, I'm making a difference. And I think that's, I think that's why we keep... You know, I think that's why we keep doing it because it is. It's a lot of work, you know, especially for my wife and, you know, some of the people that are involved. And, you know, but you do it because I, I think each year you think, man, that was a lot of work. And then you think, well, yeah, but look at all the good that we did do, mm-hmm. you know, because they're making some progress in the research and they're doing those things. So, you know, I hope it keeps going. And, I, I you know, I appreciate you having me on because I think it, like I said, it, somebody's somebody's going to listen to this that, maybe they'll say, man, that's a, that's a great thing. I am going to donate or I'm going to volunteer or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to reach out to somebody I know who can donate or, you know, reach out into sneaker company X that, you know, maybe Coach Luce has been trying for 10 years to get to just look at it and I can't, you know, so maybe they have a contact, you know, so you're trying to do those things. But, yeah, I, I think it says a lot about the profession to answer your question. I really do. And, you know, here's the other thing that's pretty neat about it is that, there's a number of coaches who went to the camp as high schoolers now wow. that come back and yeah. volunteer. It's happening more and more because this is their 15th year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from a Lafayette college standpoint, here's the other thing. There's there's a bunch of kids that that came to that camp as a high school kid. We recruited them. They came to Lafayette College. They volunteered at Lafayette College, and they're there. Now they're out making real money in the private sector, and they are giving back with either their time, money, or both. So, you know, that's that's what happens. And, it, you know, here's the other thing, too, is there's been never as many as I'd like, but there's been a number of kids that get it, and they'll do a fundraiser on their own and give us the money after they go to the camp as a high school kid. So, that's- again, it's that. We say it on our website, that circle of strength that, you know, you 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 figure out like, you know, this is a really good deal. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna do a car wash or I'm gonna do some kind of fundraiser and I'm gonna I'm gonna give the money to Lawrence First and Gold because I know they're gonna put it in a good spot. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, for anybody interested out there in getting involved with your you know, the, the, the college coach who listens to this podcast and would like to volunteer your time or um you're a high school coach who would like to get your players to this you go to laurensfirstandgold.org. Uh, you get the, all the information there. The camp this year is Sunday, June 3rd. It's uh, at Lafayette College's Metzger Athletic Complex in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity. It's a great cause to support. Uh, John, you're doing a lot of great things with this. I really appreciate you taking time on the podcast today, Coach. Uh, for our coaches out there, our listeners out there who are interested in, uh, you know, contacting you, maybe even talking a little ball with you. What's the best way for them to uh, connect? Probably to probably to email me. I think at this point, it's it's uh, John dot at usma edu. So it's usma for United States Military Academy dot edu. And there's if somebody's really interested, that's probably the best way. 
but john.luce at usma.edu. And, it, it, you know, they can follow us on Twitter. I'm always trying to get more followers on that standpoint because I think when, you know, when kids and coaches, if they'll give it to their kids, you know, if they'll give the flyer out to their kids, their kids will come. You know, there'll be kids on their team that will come. We, we Again, we have kids come as far away as Texas and Florida, you know, to go to Lafayette College in Easton, Pennsylvania, which is around the Pennsylvania-New Jersey border. So I think, you know, they can follow us. The Twitter is at LFG Football Camp, and that's how we get a lot of our information out. So I'm trying to get people to retweet and tweet out what we do. Cause I know we get a lot of kids at the camp, but people don't realize how hard we have to work to get those kids every year because more than half will be rising seniors that graduate. Mm-hmm. So we got to keep working it. They, you know, they don't just show up. So anything people can do to help us out, we'll gladly take it and love to have college coaches. You're welcome, obviously. You know, I think it's a, it really changes your, I think it just shows you how, how lucky you are, you know, because, you know, these, these kids, they, they, you know, they didn't do something wrong. They just kind of, you know, they were, they, you know, they had something there that caused the brain tumor. So it's not, it, you know, it's not like we're in our fifties or sixties and they, maybe they mistreated their body their whole life, you know, and did some things. So, you know, these, these kids deserve a chance. So we're trying to help them. Coach, we really appreciate all you're doing. We'll put all your contact uh, information, your, your Twitter, a link to lawrencefirstandgold.org, all on, in our show notes. So, coaches, uh, if there's something in there that interests you, you'd like to get that out to your players, uh, please uh, you know, refer to the links in the show notes. And, Coach, uh, I really appreciate all you're doing. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be on the podcast, especially here during spring ball. I know it's a busy time, but uh, – you're doing great things out there, and, and uh, you know, thank you from all of us in the profession. Hey, thank you, Keith, for having me. I really appreciate it. It was, it was fun, and uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to June 3rd. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the coaching coordinator podcast that's at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on twitter at coach k grabowski